Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. How many have brought your Bibles? Everybody, huh? Glory to God. Hebrews, the fourth chapter. He's perfect. He's a perfect creator. Everything that God does is good and perfect. Will you agree to that? You will? Good and perfect. Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Let's begin reading with verse 1. Read right on through verse 4 at least. Let us therefore fear lest the promise being left of us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall, ne- shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished, underline that, works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the anointing that's upon it. It will produce life and light in the hearts of the here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the works were finished from the foundation of the world. And God intended that man would enter into the rest. His rest. Let's go back to the book. Put put your bookmarker there. Let's go back to the first chapter of the book of Genesis. And I'm beginning to see something in my spirit. If you're going to understand create the new creation, we're going to have to understand creation. If we're going to understand the resurrection, we're going to have to see what God's intention was in this first creation. So keep your bookmarker there. Keep that thought in mind that the works were finished from the foundation of the world. They were finished. They were done. Let's go to the first chapter, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, underline that, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, it was good, underline that. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, how did he make it? By saying, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and so, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the, under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the 
land earth and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. Underline that. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. It was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Okay? And the evening and the morning were the third day and God said... Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights. The great light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And to rule over the day and over the night. And to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was what? Underline that. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly. The moving creature hath, that hath life and fowl that they may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the season. Let the fowl multiply in the earth in the evening and the morning with the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beasts of the earth after his kind. It was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth and after his kind. And God saw that it was what? It seems as though to me that everything God does is good. Amen? Isn't that right? Oh, he's good God, isn't he? Everything that God does is good. Well, praise God. I think we already know that. But he goes on here and says, let us make man. Let us make man. Let's stop there just for a moment. First of all, he made the heavenlies for what? For what reason? For the earth. Isn't that right? And then he made the earth for who? For man. Verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God did what? Created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, I have given you... Every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life I have given every green herb for meat and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Everything that God made was good. And when he got it all together, it was very good. Amen? And God's intention was that man have dominion over the earth, the sea, the fowls of the air, every creeping thing that creepeth upon the face of the earth. And it was very good that man was the God of this earth. Amen? All right. Hebrews 11.3 says, Through faith we understand. Stay there in Genesis. Don't go running on me. <laughs> Hallelujah. You won't know where I'm at. <laughs> Hebrews 11.3 says, 
Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So the things that are seen were not made of things that do appear. Amen? So in other words, that word there, the Word of God, is, is rhema of God. In other words, this, that which was spoken. May I ask you who spoke it? Okay, the, John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, which is Logos. Which is greater, the Logos or the Rhema? We have to have a lesson here. Which is greater, the speech or the speaker? Logos spoke it, so who's greater, the Rhema or the Logos? Amen. Amen, isn't that right? The one that spoke it is greater than what he spoke. So he spoke the world into existence. He framed the whole world by that which he said, but that he is the Logos. Someone's teaching today that if you don't have a Logos from God, you know, you're not special. Well, blessed be God, I got the Logos. I don't need the Rhema. The Rhema becomes Rhema when you speak it. So God spoke the Word. The Logos spoke. Amen? And it framed the entire world. And all that we see, and that's how God made everything. That's why it says underline, God said, God said, God said, God said, God said, God said. And everything that God said was good. Isn't that right? It was good. Well, let's go over here to the second chapter. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished. Now, someone just, you know, very lightly would read over that. And they would just say, well, God got done. Well, that's not what that word means. The word there in the Hebrew for finished means perfected. You know, like if you got a, someone who's a cabinet maker, he puts the he's the finishing he puts the finishing touches on it, or the cement worker. We've got guys to pour the cement. We got guys to you know put down the iron, put down the so on and so forth and everything. But there's also a guy that does the finish work. Amen. He's the finisher. And over here, that's what he's saying is here. The heavens and the earth were finished. They were brought to perfection. Brought to for perfection. So now we see that everything God does is good and perfect. Good and perfect. Now go to, hold your place. We're going to go back there. Go to James 1. Everything that God does is good and perfect. If you're going to understand God, friends, I would have to say go back to the beginning. In the first three chapters, we've got the creation and we've got also the fall of man. But we got what God's intent was for humanity back in that first and second chapter. And we're going to see it clearly. But now notice that everything that God said and God did was good and was perfect. It was brought unto perfection. All right. James, the first chapter, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good gift. Now, I don't know if I gave you these here Greek words for the words gift or not. I may have. If not, sit tight and listen to it again. Amen. The first word there for gift, write it down in your Bible. D-O-S-I-S. Write it right above that word gift. 
D-O-S-I-S. And it's the act of giving. Every good act of giving, and it carries with it the thought, the motive, or the attitude in which the act was made. The motive and the attitude in which the act was actually made. In other words, the act of giving. The attitude and the motive behind it. And then the second word, D-O-R-E-M-A, D-O-R-E-M-A, gift, gift, perfect gift, and that is the actual gift that was given. The actual gift that was given. So every good gift, every good act of giving, the motive, the attitude behind the act of giving that God gave, we know is good, the attitude and the motive, and then the gift, the actual gift itself that was given is perfect and is from above and cometh down from the Father of who? Of lights, with whom there's no what? In other words, there's not even the slightest chance that he could turn from that. Isn't that right? Now go back to Genesis. I want you to keep that thought in mind. Second chapter. Every good gift, every perfect, perfect gift, God said it was good. God said it was good. God made the earth. God made the heavens. God made man. God gave him dominion. God gave him power. God said you are to control it all. God said it. It was good, and it was perfect. All right. After he finished all the host of them, or, or perfected it all, and on the seventh day, verse 2, God ended his work, which he has, had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. The word there, rested, in the Hebrew means to cease. Not through being tired. He wasn't tired, friends. You know, God wasn't tired because he did all that work. No, he ceased. So the Hebrew translation of that word, the better one that we could have in our language would be, he ceased. Now hold your place there and go over back to Hebrews 4. That's where we were. Write down that little nugget of truth there. He ceased from his work. God ceased from his work. Now, in Hebrews 4, the third chapter, we read this verse. And as I have... For we which have believed do enter into rest. Fourth chapter, verse 3. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest... Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. The works were finished. Now the word, the Greek word that's translated finished there carries this meaning. They were brought to their predestined end. They were brought to their predestined end. 
the works from the foundation of the world were perfected. God ceased when they were brought to their predestined end. Period. That's it. That's the way God wanted it to be. How did He want it to be? Good and perfect. All the works of His hands were good and all the works of His hands were perfect. And He says, I'm done. Now listen, this Sabbath day is ridiculous. That seventh day did not mean once a week God's going to take a rest. Where we picked up this tradition, I don't know. But that seventh day meant for eternity God intended to sit on His throne and let man enter into His rest. That's it. That was His intent. I've perfected my works. I've ceased my works. They have come to their predestined end. Now man, all you have got to do is enter into my rest. Can you see that? It was all good and it was all perfect. Now, remember what I said a little bit earlier about every good gift and every perfect gift? The motive behind that which was given. God gave life to humanity. Adam and Eve had life. It was given to him by God. He created him, formed him out of the dust of the earth, and then he gave. He breathed in the breath of life. He gave life to them. The gift of life that was given is good and is perfect. The motive behind which God gave that life was good and it was perfect. When I say that, I mean it was not for a selfish reason. The reason that, that the heavenlies were made was for the earth. The reason that the earth was made was for man. The reason that man was made was for the father heart of God. Now listen to this. God could have made us to love him if he wanted to. But he didn't. You know why? That would have been selfish. Listen to me. That would have been selfish. And God has no selfishness within him. So God could not make you and I to love and serve him without giving us the will to decide to choose to love and serve Him. So the gift of life is given, but it is given without any selfish motives. It is given in a good act, in a perfect act. Also, the life that was given. Now listen, you got to get this. The life that was given to man was good and it was perfect. So the motive for God given life was good and perfect. And the actual life that was given was good and perfect. There was not a flaw in it. Perfect human body. Perfect mind. You couldn't get any more perfect than having God breathe His life into your spirit, can you? Perfect. Good. Perfect. That was God's intent. That's the way it was, it was done in the beginning. That's the way He set it forth to be. But he said, I've got to give them a free will choice. Why? Because he could not be selfish and make you and I want to serve him. And he would not do that. And so in creation, we could readily see that he had to give man the choice of being obedient to him and loving him if he wanted to. 
But all that God did was what? Good and perfect. Now, because man has a free will, he had to set forth law. So in the garden, he said, and let's go to the second chapter of Genesis. Let's read it together from the Word. But I want you to see this clearly. I, I really believe that we'll begin to understand our redemption and God a whole lot greater if we could just discover what's in these first three chapters of the book of Genesis. Number one, God did not tempt Adam. But people go around saying that God tempts man. Tries my faith. Forget it. God does not try your faith. I hear people saying that over and over and over and over and over. Then they go back to, well, how about Abraham? Well, let's go all the way back. How about Adam? If God tried Adam's faith and he gave him the faith, then God was trying himself. Isn't that right? God don't have to try himself. He knows he's true. Does he? God didn't give you life just so he can go out and try your faith. God didn't give you life so he could try that life that he gave you. That life was good, perfect, flawless. You couldn't get better than what God made it. Can you see that? Okay, let's look at the second chapter. And let's begin reading with verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the, into the Garden of Eden and to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou may, mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, why did God speak those words to Adam? After he gave him life. Because evil was already in existence because of Satan or Lucifer. Because of the fall. But Adam had no knowledge of evil. Adam had only the knowledge of good. All he knew was that which was good and that which was perfect. Because all the knowledge he had came from the life that God gave him. And all the knowledge God had of life was good and perfect. That's what he made. Everything we saw that he made was good. And everything we saw that he made was perfect. Now, someone says that did God tempt Adam? Well, let's read it together and find out who tempted Adam. Did God tempt him? No. God laid down the law. He laid down a law and said, You can eat all you want from all the trees of the garden. Now this is your choice, he's saying. I've made you good. I've made you perfect. i made you to love me. If you want to love me, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. But listen, it's your life now. I've given you dominion. I've given you the power. I've given you this perfect life. Don't eat from that tree. He's just telling him. He's not testing him or trying him. He's telling him, don't eat of that tree. If you do, you'll die. Dying thou shalt die. Okay? Eating was a type of life. Eating the fruit of the other trees was a type of bringing to him life. As long as he ate from the other trees, he would go on living and living and living and living and living and living and living. But if he ate from that tree, he would die. God didn't tempt him to eat from that tree, did he? You better believe he didn't. That would be stupid, wouldn't it? No, God just laid down fact. Said, Adam, take your pick. You can eat all. And I'll tell you what, there's not really, if you ask me about it, there's, no, there's not even a, a, something to think about right there. Who in the world would just want to even think about which tree you're going to eat from? 
If you eat all those trees, you'll live. And you get all those trees to choose from. But that one, dying, thou shalt die. Is there any choice? There is a choice. But wouldn't you have to be stupid to choose that tree when you've got hundreds? That's just, I'll tell you what, that's just how the devil is so selfish. I mean it. That's the truth. Do you ever get two little kids together? And one of them's got a whole room filled with toys up to here. But their little brother got that one over there. Mine. You've got the whole room full of toys. Mine. <laughs> I want that one. That's exactly, you know why you, you know why they got that? Because that's how the devil is. And when the devil imparted his nature into the human race, man got the same way. But here was this perfect creation with all the good to choose from. He goes, and Satan tempted, tested, or tried. And what did he tempt, test, or try? Adam's belief in God's word. Every test, every temptation, every trial will come against the Word of God. Now, that would be stupid to say that God was testing, testing, or trying His own Word. Why would He do that? A house divided against itself can't stand. That would be stupid. It's ridiculous to think that God would do that. But yet people go off and say He's doing it. Well, He's not doing it. Let's see it from the beginning here. We go on reading in the third chapter. We find out that that, that, uh, the serpent was the subtle beast. We find out that Satan got into the serpent and began to speak to Adam and Eve. Now listen. All this perfect man knew was perfection. All he had knowledge of was that which was good. All he knew was what God the Father had said unto him. All of a sudden, can you imagine these words coming out of the serpent's mouth? Thou shalt not surely die? You think, he, you think it was hidden? I mean, you and I have got knowledge of good and evil when we are born in this world. And I'll tell you what, if you don't get close to that Word of God, you can be deceived in a lot of areas thinking that it's truth when it's not. Isn't that right? Isn't that true? Why? Because it's, we've got deception because we don't have knowledge of good and evil. And the devil is going to bring 90% truth and a little bit of lie in there to break up the church and get them into division. Adam didn't have any knowledge of evil. Adam didn't have any garbage in his spirit. Adam didn't have anything that was darkness inside his spirit. Now listen. Those words came out of that servant's mouth. They should have struck him. If you ever did anything wrong, doesn't the Spirit of God convict just like that? you got got something on the inside, don't you? Imagine what those words should have done to Adam and Eve. Those words should have made their skin crawl. They should have just right, right there, I mean, right there, just stood up and said, that's not what God said. I mean, there's nothing there to hide it, is there? But they heard what the devil said. He said, thou shalt not surely die. In the day, that, the day that thou eatest thereof, you're going to be just as God. Isn't that right? So right away they should have known right then at that point that these were lies. They had the power. They had the dominion. They had the authority. They had the right to destroy those words. They had the right to tell the serpent to get out. They had the right to tell the devil to stop in his maneuvers. They had the right right then. Now, I believe, now listen when I say this, I believe that at that point, if Adam and Eve would have looked the devil in the face and said, God said, 
that in the day that I eat thereof, I will surely die. I believe what God said. And so, I am not allowed to eat from that tree. As an act of obedience, I will not eat from that tree. As they resisted the devil, I believe it would have been an end to the devil. I believe Satan would have had to have been cast out into the lake of fire forever. Because God gave, said that when he was finished with his works, when he made the creation, when everything was done, it was brought to perfection. And when it was brought to perfection, it was intended that man and predestined that man enter into God's rest at the end of that time by an act of obedience and resisting the force of evil. You go to the temptation of Jesus. One time he tempted him, spirit, soul, and body. When Jesus withstood him, the devil had to flee from him, and the devil could not personally attack him and come against him. He did it directly. But I believe that in the beginning, if Adam would have taken the authority that he had, then the devil would have been cast out forever, and it would have been just like God said, man has come and entered into our rest forever. Forever. Then they would have given birth of a child, and that child would have been born of the same spirit. Life. Natural generation. From year after year after year after year, every child that was born would not have the taint of sin in their blood, but it would have the very life that was drawn from the veins of the Father God when He imparted it to His Son Adam. And life from that time on would have been perfect and good and perfect and good. That's what God's intention was from the beginning, was that man choose to enter into his rest, but man did not choose to enter into the rest of God. It was man's fault. What happened? Well, you ready? There he was, one step away from entering into eternity with God on the seventh day. As he rested, man would have made that choice to enter into eternal rest. Eternal rest with God right then. But sin, Adam failed. Jesus didn't fail, but Adam failed. Consequently, God began to said again. Now listen, go to the third chapter. Second, third chapter. Let's go on down to verse 13. We're just going to go back and forth on this thing. Chapter there, we, we see the fall of man. We see that they failed. They had the choice. They made the wrong choice. There was no, nothing hiding it. Adam knew that he, it says Eve was deceived, but Adam was not deceived. Adam knew what he was doing. Adam knew exactly what he was doing. Verse 14, the Lord God said unto the serpent, the Lord said, the Lord God said, the Lord God said. God said light be, light was, it was good. God said earth be, earth was, it was good. God said waters departed, it departed, it parted, it was good. God said let us make man, he made man, it was good. God said this, God said that, it was good. Now, God said... Under the serpent, because thou hast done this thing, thou art cursed. Above all cattle and above all every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Let's stop there just for a moment. All this is beyond what God said and intended in the beginning. It was supposed to stop right there. Can you imagine having a Bible with only three chapters in it? Can you imagine that? 
And the third chapter says, And Adam and Eve resisted the devil, and the devil had to flee from him, and man has entered into the eternal rest of God forever. And the devil and his, all his angels were cast into the lake of fire forever. Period. No, they didn't do it. So God said. Now God did not do this. Adam did it. Adam did it. God did not tempt him. God did not try him. God gave him time to prove that he wanted to serve his father God. Because when God gives, it's not selfish. It's not selfish. You can't make your kids love you, friends. You can't do that. But you want them to love you, don't you? Where do you think that came from? The, heart of the, the Father heart of God. God made them to love Him and wanted them to love Him, but He would not force them to love Him. He just wanted them to love Him. He says, I've, gi I've given you the choice. All this good. And that little tree right there, you eat from that one, thou shalt die. I can't see how they did it. Can you? I can't see how they did it. They chose that stupid little tree. They did. That's like saying you've got a, a million dollars on this side and a dollar on that tree. Which one do you want? That's ridiculous. Isn't that right? So God said, now God didn't tempt them. Satan did. God just said, choose ye. How many know the, th the 30th chapter of Deuteronomy said, I place before you life and death, choose? But he goes on to say, I, I choose life. Isn't that right? Choose life. They chose death. Okay, here's, here's what's pronounced. Now listen, God's saying some things, but he had no intention on saying these things. Not one thought came into his mind about saying these things. But Adam did it. Look what he said. Verse 16. Under the woman, he said. He said. He said. He said. And it wasn't good. No, but it's judgment. And because God said it, it's happening today. Look at what he said. I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And an Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles, also in thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou wast taken, for thus thou art, and unto thus thou shalt return. That was not in God's plan. Nowhere. And God didn't do it. He just gave them the facts of death right there. You chose it, Adam. You chose it. You just ignited the law of sin and death. God did not do it. God is not the author of your troubles out there. God did not do it. All that God said was good. Now He's telling them, that's what you've done, Adam. Let's go on. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And Adam also and to his wife. Uh, and his wife to God made coats of skins and clothed them. And I want to get to that in a minute. But he ignited the law of sin and death. Sickness and disease. Calamity. 
trouble, chaos, fear, affliction, everything you could name now began to exist in the earth because of his high treason, because of the sin that he had committed. Go to verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become. The man is become. The man is become. That word become means to take on change. It means he took on change. Or new development. To take on change or development. Now, who changed Adam? Who changed him? The man took on change. The man took on development, new development. Adam became, became, became. God did not create him like that, did he? God did not make him like that. God did not make the earth like it is. God did not make tornadoes. He did not make earthquakes. Those are not acts of God. They don't come from God. He did not make floods. He didn't make it that way. Adam became as one of us, having the knowledge of good and having the knowledge of evil. Everything that God did was perfect. Everything that God did was good. Everything that Satan did in the heart of man was corrupt and evil. Adam fell for it. Adam did it. God had to get back to work. It took six days to create all that good. And when Adam has sinned, from that day forward, man has been laboring and striving to enter into the rest that God had for him on that seventh day when God rested. His predestined intention was that everything else would enter into the same rest that he entered into. All the works of his hands would enter into the same rest. But no, we see something else ignited. The law of sin and death. The law of sin and death went into effect. Can you see that wasn't God's intention? God did not intend that. God did not want that. He had nothing to do with it. Now God has got to go back to work. Let's go over here to verse 21 of the... Second chapter. I'm sorry, the third chapter. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Now go back to the second chapter, verse 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Verse 25, second chapter, verse 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. The law of sin and death went into effect. Man was changed. He became as God, knowing good and evil. But he did not become like God, as, as the serpent said he would become equal with God. He would become... Above God or be as God. Now listen. 
but he became as God, knowing good and evil, but he became as the devil from his spirit. He was naked and not ashamed before the fall. Go to the third chapter, verse 10. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. 11. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereby I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? How do you know you're naked? Where did you get that knowledge? How do you know you're naked? Now, it just said back there they was naked and not ashamed. Why were they not ashamed? They were physically naked, but they were clothed with glory. Isn't that right? They were physically naked, but they was clothed with glory. Now, after the fall, it says, after sin, they were stripped of their glory, and they were aware that they were naked, and they were ashamed. It's the opposite of what God had intended. Verse, third chapter, verse 21 said, God had to clothe them. God had to clothe them so they would no longer be ashamed or naked. That is the first type of God giving them righteousness. Killing an animal, sacrificing the blood of that animal, and placing upon man in the garden and Eve in the garden of Eden a clothing of righteousness. Man cannot live as he is. He cannot live like he is because he is ashamed, condemned, and he has taken on spiritual death. Now listen, everything that happened in that third chapter, everything that took place in that third chapter ignited a spiritual law called sin and death. But God loves you and I so much. If He wanted to, He could have allowed us to go on to destruction. But God loved us so much, what He did was He allowed His, now listen what this is, grace... And favor be poured out to humanity so that even though he sinned, he would not have to suffer the consequences of that sin if he would choose to accept the sacrifice that he would provide for him. Now, in the second chapter of our, our second Corinthians, we read there in the fifth chapter. Let's go there. Let's go there. Let's tie it right in right now. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Let's begin reading with verse one. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. Adam and Eve were clothed upon with glory of God. Adam and Eve were clothed upon with eternal life, Zoe life. Adam and Eve were clothed upon with the life of God. That was their covering. God's intention was that they enter into that same rest and eternally live with Him. But look at over here. In this we groan earnestly. From the time of the fall, man has been wanting to, striving to, laboring to enter into the rest that God intended for him to have. But he fell short of it because of choice. Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And I shall give rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. From the time that Adam had fallen, man lost the way into that presence. Man lost the way into that rest. Man tried to, he wanted to get in there, but he could not get in there any longer. The way was closed. It was blocked off. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am that life. I'm what you're looking for. In this we groan, he said. We groan. Go back. Hold your place there. Go to Romans 8. We groan to enter into this. We're groaning and crying and laboring, he said. Not only is man laboring, not only is man groaning and crying out. The 8th chapter of the book of Romans shows us something inside. Verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory, with the glory which shall be revealed. For the earnest expectation of the creature or of the creation waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now he's talking not faith here. He's talking the literal manifestation. When you believe God for a healing, once you're healed, you've got the manifestation. Isn't that right? He's talking about the whole creation is waiting for the, for the manifestation of the sons of God to appear. Out of this body in the new body. Let's go on. For the creature was... Verse 19. Okay, 20. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered... From the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Creation didn't want to be that way. God did not make it that way. God from the beginning made it good, made it perfect. We were subject to it when Adam sinned. Corruption came. And not only was man corrupted, but all of God's creation was corrupted. Tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, destruction, earthquakes, lightnings, calamity, chaos... Everything you could think of that was created was corrupted. Go on. For we know that the whole creation groweth, verse 20, and travaileth in pain until now. Together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Listen. Even we ourselves that are born again, he's saying, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to be made known, the redemption of our body. Here's what he's saying in a nutshell. God created it in the beginning to be the way he created it. All of creation was perfect. Perfection. Everything was ready. All man had to do was just kick off his shoes, walk right on in and say, Dear Father God, I love you and I won't eat from that tree for anything. Now, Mr. Devil, you hit the brakes, get the rolling. I'm just going to live and serve my Father God. And man would have walked right on in there. There would have been no curse. There would have been no law of sin and death. There would have been no evil. There would have been no corruption. There would have been no tornadoes. There would have been none of the things that are in the effect of the earth today. None of them would have been here but perfection. Until when? Until God decided to do something about it. If He wanted to change, glory to God. If He wanted to change us into His image then, get us out of this body, put immortality on it, praise God. Whatever He wanted to do is fine. But look at what it says here. 
we have the first fruits of this creation, of, of this new creation. We've been born again. We have got a taste of the heavenly gift. We have been made partakers of the Holy Ghost. We have got some insight, friends, as to what it's going to be like when this whole thing blows over. From the time that Adam sinned, it was, imagine what it was before he sinned. But from the time that Adam sinned until this day right now, until Jesus died on that cross, the law of sin and death was in effect. The curse was upon the earth and pronounced upon the earth. And there was nothing anybody can do about it. But on the day that Jesus died, He died to make a new creation. And in that new creation, we legally, not vitally, we legally have a brand new creation Legally, the earth is delivered. Legally, you and I are delivered. Legally, all of us together as a body, as a church, have been delivered from all the fall. All of it. Delivered from it. That's why you live by faith. To appropriate it. Now when He comes, you won't need faith to appropriate it. It'll be here. Isn't that right? It will be here. So right now, what we're saying is the law of the Spirit of life has lifted us up above the curse and the fall by faith. Now, go back to 2 Corinthians 5. I don't have time. Go over to God. We're going on this tonight. Because I want you to see, first of all, creation, and then you're going to understand better the new, cre- the, the new creation. We're going to understand what Jesus had to do. We're going to understand the works that it took to create us. Look at here. For in this we groan, second cha- verse, fifth chapter. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so, that being clothed, we shall not be found naked or ashamed. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we should be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Zoe, we are groaning on the inside in our spirits as we are being changed daily, day by day, into the glory, from glory to glory, under the very image of God, so that this mortal body will be swallowed up with the Zoe life of God, and then we will be vitally walking in the redemptive work of Christ and vitally walk, walking in this new creation. Why do you think it's called a new creation? I'm going to say this. It took six days to have the first creation. It took 4,000 years for God to get the new creation. The new creation was more expensive. It it didn't cost God for anything to make the first creation but a little bit of breath. Right? The new creation cost Him His Son. The new creation cost, cost Him His Son. Now, I'm going to give you a scripture in Isaiah 54th chapter, verse 14. And we're going to carry this over for tonight. In this new creation, man lost his righteousness. Man was unclothed. As we said back there in Genesis 3, man must be clothed upon. That's why God made made them clothing. They were ashamed. They lost that. Isaiah 54 chapter says, let's take a look at verse verse, uh, 14. 
In righteousness thou shalt be established. The word righteousness in the Hebrew there means you'll be erected. Erected. God began a building process after Adam had sinned. Remember, we gave you some scriptures last Wednesday night. We said there in John 4.34 that God, after He finished His work, it says that He would cease from His work, He was done. But John 4.34 says that He began His work again. Jesus says, I've come to finish the work that the Father had given me. Let's go there. Let's see some of these scriptures. That one says, in righteousness you'll be established or erected or built. Go back to John's Gospel, the fourth chapter. God had finished His works. It was all done. Creation was done. It was all taken care of. God intended that man enter into His rest. God sat down. He finished. He was finished with all His works. Fourth chapter, verse 34. My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to do what? To do what? I thought His works were finished. They were finished. But man had sinned. Man was unclothed. God's grace became a law of nature to keep us to a place to where He could get a redemptive plan into effect. What was this plan going to do? It was going to erect us in righteousness. But it had to be dealt with and it had to work through unregenerate men. Men that did not know God. Men that could not know God. And so it took 4,000 years for God to unveil His plan to humanity. And it meant that those men, Abraham, had to be faithful. Abraham was one, one of the men that it started with. You think about this. Abraham was not tempted of God. When God said, Abraham, I need you to get into the earth. Will you serve me? Yeah. Same thing as Adam. Kill your son. But he didn't just say, kill your son. You stop and think about it. He said, Abraham, to your son Isaac, father of many nations, you're going to have children through Isaac. God already told him that. He already knew that. But now to prove, for, Adam to, for Abraham to prove, just as Adam should have proved himself to God, God just says, now I'm telling you to kill him. He, I'm telling you to kill him. Okay. Here comes the trial. Here comes the test. Here comes the temptation. Don't do it. Did God say he'd live? Don't do it. He'll die. Don't do it. You'll lose your only son. That's the devil. What did, what did Abraham say in Hebrews 11 chapter? He says, I knew that if God killed him, he'd have to raise him from the dead. Didn't he? He said, you guys wait here. Me and the boy will be back. Why, Abraham? Because God already said He's got to have kids. And he don't have any kids if he's dead. God's already said. God didn't tempt him. That temptation means tested, tried, or tempted him. God proved him. Proved him. And Abraham proved himself to God. Now, if you can just relate that back to Adam, you'll see how Abraham succeeded, but Adam failed. Jesus was the same way. He was tempted of the devil. Just as Adam was tempted of the devil. Just as Abraham was tempted of the devil. Jesus was tempted of the devil. Same way. Same thing. Second Adam. Same temptation. 
To what? To disbelieve the Word of God. Well, did Abraham believe the Word of God? You better believe he did. He went out there with every intent on killing him and saying that if, if he dies, God, you've got to raise him back up because you already said he's having kids. Now, I'll tell you what, that's holding God to his word. Isn't it? And Abraham held God to his word. You said it, I'll kill him. You better raise him up or you lied, God. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying. Jesus said, I came to finish the work. Look at 517. My father worketh. I thought the father added his works. My father worketh and I work. 934. Go to or nine rather chapter nine verses three and four. Let's just look at verse four. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. I must work the works. God finished His work, but man's sin which put God back to work. I must finish the works of Him that sent me. Now look at the next verse. As long as I am in the world, I am the light. Stop right there. Every good gift, every perfect gift, is from above and cometh down from who? Jesus was the Father of lights personified on this earth. Personified. And now listen to this. Everything he did was good. And everything he did was perfect. He was the perfect sacrifice. Everything he did was good. Everything he did was perfect. He came back to say, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And we're going to see how he was, Adam was kicked out. For 4,000 years, didn't have no place to go. Could not get back in. But when Jesus came, he brought the light. He was the actual light. And you know how God started? God began to speak to man. Hebrews, the first chapter says, God spake in times past unto who? God could no longer just speak things into existence, brothers and sisters. He couldn't do that. He had to speak it to man and let man hear it so man could speak it so that he could get it into this world. Because it was man's disobedience that brought the law of sin and death. So now God must speak. You must listen. You must hear what he's saying. And if you want God's miracles to work in your life, if you want all this word to work in your life, if you want the new creation in your life, you must speak it. God spoke it once. He's not doing it for you again. Now, if you want eternal life, you have got to choose it and then you have got to speak it. But what saith that the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart you believe and with your mouth you confess. You become God's mouth in the earth. Now listen to this. That first creation came by the mouth of God. Isn't that right? Well, you ready for this one? After he provided it legally, we're going to see how he provided it through Jesus. You could stand there and you could be spiritually dead. And you could just look up to heaven and you could speak words. And when you do, a new creation comes into you. A brand new creation. A new creation. A new creation. Yeah, far greater than all that at the beginning. A brand new creation. God inside man. Brand new creation. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
new creature, the word's creation. New creation. Now stop and think about this. We are new creations on this earth. We do not belong to the time of period of time from Adam's fall to Jesus' death. We are the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Listen to this. He finished his works, right? For it is God which worketh in you, worketh in you, both to will and to do of his... Stop with the word good. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good. God said and it was good. God spoke and it was good. For it is God which is at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Everybody that has entered in through the new birth has entered into the rest of God. By faith, you will obtain everything that God intended for Adam to have in the Garden of Eden. The tree of life. The tree of life. The tree of life. And there is the table prepared before you in the presence of your enemies. And to anyone that will come, let them come freely and let them eat. Enter into the rest, Jesus said. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Just enter it. If any man come in the wrong way, he's not accepted. But if you come in by me, you've got all open doors. That's what took place. And we're going to see how, we're going to see the work that was involved through the life of Jesus to allow God to do this and to allow God to make a new creation so that you and I could be that mystery that he was talking about. Christ in you, God living in you, God men on the earth today to do what? God's will and pleasure. What was his will and pleasure? That man had into his rest. And listen to this. You think it's something we see miracles. <clears throat> Friends, every time you tell somebody... Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.